0: The Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, bringing you the best GPS mapping software directly to your smartphone or desktop. Onyx offers you the ability to see property boundaries, mark waypoints, track your location, and so much more. Visit onyxmaps.com or you can download it directly from your app store today. Save 20% off of your purchase by using the code NATION20 at checkout. That's capital N, NATION, followed by the number 20. Welcome back to the Iowa Sportsman podcast. I'm your host Dan Johnson and on this episode we are talking all about turkey and my guest today is he's a returning guest his name is Billy Pryor and Billy is probably most known for his fishing content here on the uh, Iowa Sportsman but he also loves to turkey hunt and that's what we are BSing about today we talk about scouting we talk about weather we talk about strategy we talk about decoys we talk about guns and bows and blinds and really it's just a Uh, a high level general a little bit of everything conversation about turkey hunting and i'm excited i hope i know that uh with this whole quarantine thing that we got going down everybody is anxious to get out and go start hunting and fishing and turkey hunting is the best thing that you can do right now. I am so jacked to get out and start calling and hear that first gobble of the year. And what I'm really excited about is this is going to be my daughter's first year of tagging along with me. Uh, She's not old enough to uh, balance a gun and shoot a gun yet. However, she's going to come along with me. And the goal is to get uh, a, a Tom close enough to where she can see it strut or I really want to, uh, you know, have her hear a gobble for the first time, and the closer the better, because I know even at uh, even when I was young, the first gobble I heard blew my socks off, and uh, so that's the goal for this spring. Really good episode, um, you know, it's not nothing groundbreaking because I don't feel like like uh, turkey hunting, like I like I say in the episode. There's times uh, someone who has never been turkey hunting before can walk in the timber and shoot a turkey and then there's guys like me who have been hunting turkey for almost 20 years now and can struggle at times so very interesting conversation I'm not going to waste any of your time in the intro let's get into today's episode with Billy Pryor all right on the phone with me now Mr. Billy Pryor Billy
1: how we doing man? Uh, in light of everything that's going on, I'm, I'm all right. Just, uh, getting prepared for Turkey season and, you know, hoping things stay as good as they are right now. Yeah. Have you been out and, uh, done any fishing recently? Uh, tried to hit the river a couple of times. Um, it was, uh, kind of ice out at first, had a couple of small hits, couple of small walleye and then the river around here, the raccoon river has uh risen qu- quite a bit. So, um, uh, haven't had much action so just kind of waiting that out a little bit yeah when it comes it, real quick I know, I know
0: we're going to be talking about turkey today but real quick uh springtime fishing what are you uh what are you most excited for as far as getting your boat back on open water
1: you know i just want to be back on the open water really mm-hmm. between all, all this you know quarantining and whatnot and uh after the ice is on the water and I'm not much of an ice fisherman I just want to get out you know I yeah. want to get a crankbait out in the water I want to feel the fight of a largemouth or a smallmouth again instead of these small panfish I'm just I'm waiting for <laughs> a fight <laughs> panfish are fun but there comes a time where you got to put the
0: women and children to bed and go rip some lips right
1: <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> yeah I feel you man I uh I, I I can't wait till it just warms up just a little bit more to where the kids don't get cold and get out and just go on hikes, go. And, and we were outside a lot today, but man, I mean, th- this whole cabin fever and all the other neighbor kids are outside and all the parents are like in the middle saying, no, you can't go over and play with them and stuff. Uh, right. I think, I think if I wasn't an outdoorsman, I don't know how I would be handling this because I know right. there's a lot of people who are just sitting inside they're not they're not going but luckily for us we got fishing and we got turkey hunting coming up pretty fast exactly all right so turkey hunting do you do any type of pregame uh, like preseason scouting when you you know when it's when turkey hunting is like what now 3 weeks away 2 weeks away
1: right Scouting is one of my favorite things. Uh, basically what I do when it comes to uh, scouting for turkeys is I think of turkey season as when shed hunting season starts, if you can see the ground, yeah, that's when I start getting out. I start, you know, I'm looking for sheds while I'm walking around and I'm looking for turkey tracks. I'm looking you know, in the sunrise listening for gobbles in the distance, um, checking my normal areas that I like to hunt, seeing if they're in the same roost. And a lot of times, If you're on good private land, and even a lot of times on public land, they're going to stick to a lot of the same roosts because they have a a habit of what they like. So I like to see, you know, how many we've got this year coming down from the the roosting areas, or if they're coming from across the river this year, you know, uh, this springtime and shed season is what I always call it. I don't even refer it to it as spring anymore, is... It's turkey time, so yeah. definitely got to get
0: out and scout. Gotcha. So, when you go out and you, I mean, you're going and you're looking for shed antlers, but what are you
1: looking for from a turkey standpoint? So, one of the first things I do, um, if it's sunrise or right around that time. I listen for gobbles from the roost. That's that's my telltale sign. That's where you'll hear them most. Especially as the weather is getting warmer, they're going to get louder and louder and louder. Uh, mating for them is right around the corner, so they're ready for to impress a hen. So, when I get out, and about first, I sit in the truck. You know, I have the windows down, or sit by the truck, and I listen. Uh, once the light comes up, I'm glassing. You know, I want to see if they're out in the field. They're looking for grains. They're looking for bugs. Now that it's getting warmer, bugs are starting to come out. So they're going to start getting more active too. And that's that's the most the basics of scouting is listen and look. That'll tell you the most information you need. Right.
0: So are, are turkeys going crazy in the trees? Like, you know, for me, I'll be completely honest. I've never been much of a uh, a preseason scouter when it comes to turkeys. I have been more of a show up in the woods just call and find them and go get them type of guy, right? Um, when, like, are they, are they gobbling right now, end of March
1: timeframe? I find that it all depends not specifically on calendar dates. It all depends on the weather. Okay. Um, if it's if it's doing like it is now and it's getting warmer and warmer, you know, you're going outside at 530 in the morning and you're getting a, uh, um, you know, 45 to 50 degree temperature, you get out in the woods where you think the turkeys are and you hit a couple of quick calls right at sunrise, just some yelps from a hen, the gobblers will respond. Okay. Okay. And, uh, when have you noticed
0: over the years of doing this, you know, out scouting, just spending time out in the woods before the season start starts, when is there a noticeable ramp up in calling or, or, the turkey's gobbling. Have you have you noticed a specific
1: time frame where it really starts to ramp up? Um, again, weather dependent. Um, definitely say, you know, it needs to be that wet, nasty, warm season. But it's usually about the last two weeks of March is when it will start picking up. That's when I see the most action of, I guess, the most dramatic change from quiet to, uh, you know, noisy mornings. Right. And, I, and I always focus on mornings because mornings to me seem to be the most active. Right. Yeah. So
0: let, let's say you go out, you plan to scout. All right. And you're listening and you don't see anything or you're not hearing anything. You glass and maybe you're not glassing up uh, the birds that you want. Is there a third step? Is there something you're going and doing
1: to actively find them as far as scouting is concerned? Um, definitely focus on, uh, time frames. uh, morning times at sunrise, they're going to come down from their roosts. And as that temperature changes, um, the bugs start moving, you know, when the day warms up, the bugs will start moving. So they're going to feed. So definitely look at field edges, grass edges. That's where your bugs are going to be usually the most. Um, and if they're not right in that area, just a couple of cuts or yelps from a, a slate call or a diaphragm mouth call that can tend to kind of wake them up and get their answer. Even if they're not ready to mate yet, they may fire back just as a, uh, Hey, I'm here as well.
0: Yeah. So when, when you're doing your calling then uh, to see if, if there's anything out there responding, are you just waiting to hear a response and then calling it quits? So, so it's like a checkbox, right? You're like, okay, well I've heard them check. I know they're in here. I'm going to leave them alone. Or are you being more aggressive and trying to get them to come closer to
1: you? when it comes to scouting the earlier it is in my opinion uh basically if you can get an answer and that's really about it you're trying real hard you know you wait 15 minutes between a couple calls just to try to see if you can get an answer and it was kind of a hard ordeal to get them to answer you know leave it alone after that if they're firing back every single time you hit a call mess with them a little bit and bring them out the thing i like about turkeys is it's a forgiving hunt they yeah. if you do get busted you, know, you can come back that evening. I've walked up on a group of turkeys before coming up over the hill. Didn't think they'd be there. Scared away, you know, 15 of them, give or take. And <laughs> think to myself, great, I'm screwed. Come back two hours later, and there they all are again. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they're they a hard creature to hunt, but at the same time, they're not the brightest. So. Yeah.
0: They they have a small brain, right? And right. Think, <laughs> right. And, and that's probably part of the reason. A, a small brain with extremely good eyes,
1: right? Right. Yeah. They basically say if a turkey could smell, you'd never kill one. Yeah. But thankfully, since they can't smell you, they don't realize you're there. They can see and hear you, but they don't smell you. And then if you do spook them, they don't remember a couple hours later. So, yeah. So when you go out and
0: you're trying to, you know, you've done your scouting, you're trying to go out, uh, season gets here and you're trying to go out and kill one. Are, are, Are you a, a bow guy or are you a gun guy
1: for turkey season? I actually do both. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I would say, thrill-wise, I've never had more of a thrill than shooting a turkey with a bow, you know, versus a gun. Yeah. A gun, it's great. It just seems like a simple kill, to, for the most part. But that the bow, it's just you got to get such a great shot placement and as good as they can see you know you got to wait till they turn and face away from you to draw back it just adds in a little bit of an extra excitement to it right right so then
0: uh so you do a little bit of both uh what what kind of hunter are you are you uh let's go get in a ground blind and try to get them to come to you guy or are you a running
1: gun you know go get them guy If I uh, predominantly, I would say I'm a ground blind guy. That's I like to set up a ground blind. And the thing I love about turkeys is you can set up a ground blind in the middle of a field. (laughs) They're coming to the deep they don't care about your blind. That's right, as long as they don't see you moving. So I would definitely say I'm a ground blind guy. But if I'm using a shotgun, I do like the running gun just because it's easier to be mobile. You know, if you hear them and they're just hung up for hours on the other side of the woods, you can make it over there and still you know, and call them in. So yeah. a little of both, but predominantly ground blind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm a, i am I would have to
0: say that I'm a ground blind guy when I have company with me, like, like my wife, cause she likes to go out. Uh, she is not necessarily a, a running gun, go get them type person. I am a running gun type, you know, type guy. So, and, and, and I'll be honest, I've tried shooting a turkey with a bow before, I just didn't work out, I, I don't get the time I, I guess I don't dedicate a lot of time towards turkey season because I I spend so much time chasing deer and, and going out west and stuff, so for me, turkey season is well, I'll dedicate however many days are in a season and then that's about it right, No, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy, but when I when it's time, I like to just go get them, and that's why I like to use a gun, because you know, you can, you can be mobile with a gun, but, and then you can try to, you know, get in front of them or whatever and call them in. And you don't have to draw a bow back at the end when they finally do get close. You know what I mean? I've, I've seen right. people do it, but I guess I like to be aggressive and I don't necessarily have the
1: patience for that. Right. And see, I'm, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum there. Yeah, I, uh, I put in enough time in deer season where I scout and know where the deer are. I put up a stand and I sit in the stand at That's really about it. I mean, I don't do a whole lot during deer season, mainly due to the fact that I'm just a public land hunter anyhow. But I've got private land for turkey season. And I mean, I put in a lot of work for it because I've experienced so many more rushes during um, turkey season just because it's always something different. I've had turkeys brush up against my ground blind walking by. (laughs) I could have grabbed it. (laughs) And I've shot turkeys at five feet and I've shot turkeys at 25 yards. Yeah. So it's, it's just always something different. Right. Right. Well, well, let's talk a little
0: bit about scenarios now, because I feel like, you know, when we're talking about deer hunting strategy or, you know, you've been on the podcast before and we, we talk about different, different, different fishing strategies, right? Let's talk about right. these strategies in these scenarios with turkey hunting because i feel like a guy can walk into the woods and who has never turkey hunted before make some squeaky noises on some metal and a tom will come in and he can shoot him and he'll say geez man this was easy and then you can have a guy who is the he's senior he's been hunting for 60 years and he's killed you know 50 turkeys and and uh then there's years where he could get hung up and not kill a bird right so they can Mm -hmm. i feel like turkeys can make a an experienced hunter look real dumb sometimes so when it comes to uh you know these scenarios here i want to throw one out to you and i want to i want to hear your answer on it so you're you're in your ground blind right and you start to call and the tom starts to respond to you but he's hung up you, you can't see him you can't see him but he's he's gobbling he's gobbling in the roost and maybe he you can see him pitch down maybe you can't but then he shuts off how do you approach that scenario
1: well, there's a couple of different ways there's the what i call the standard way and that's if he shuts down you shut down you don't want to overcall. You don't want to scare him away. So, you know, if he's responding, I fire back right away. Um, But if he starts to slow down or he starts to calm down, I also try to calm down a little bit uh, just so I don't seem too aggressive and spook him. Um, I'll even go as far as, and maybe I'm crazy for doing this, but if I'm like using a mouse diaphragm call, I will face the opposite direction and make, you know, try to think, okay, maybe he's going to think that this hand is walking away from him and that's going to tell him that he's lost his chance. So it'll give him that extra boost to come towards me. Right. So there's your calling tactics of, you know, slow down a little bit. Just don't be too aggressive. Uh, But I've also gone as far as, all right, it's been 30 minutes and he was last heard over here. Let's move. Yeah. And I've gotten up and I've crawled, I've, you know, walked, I've ran and it's done me good and it's done me wrong. I have busted myself because I thought, okay, he's got to be long gone. He walked five feet around the ridge. And as soon as you stand up there, he is. It's like, oh my God, he was right there.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. We've all been there before. Now, when you move, are you taking your ground blind with you or are you just at that point out of your ground blind, making strategic
1: moves? Um, a little of both. I mean, if I can see them, if I can see that he just walked up over that ridge, uh, you know, a quarter mile away, I might bring my blind with me. Um, especially if I have another person with me, like if my daughter hunts with me, I can say, hey, keep the ground blind set up. And since it's not windy, we're just going to basically pick it up and carry it with us. Um, but there's been plenty of times where I've been alone, sneak out, and I grab the. Uh, feeding hen that I have set up in front of the blind and crawl to the next spot and keep an eye out and set it up and lean against the tree and try again. Got ya. Got
0: ya. All right. So do you do you take that same approach with let's say same some something similar happens, but now you can see the Tom he's not within shooting range, but he's with a hen. You know, we call that being henned up how does your approach change if you see a Tom and maybe even if he is responding to you, because I know a lot of times uh, Tom will still gobble and gobble pretty aggressively, even though he's with hens
1: and he he doesn't plan on leaving them. How do you, how do you go after that bird? So basically when that happens, what I do is all my calls that I'm normally using when I'm hunting, it's a, Hey, I'm over here. Kind of a locator call or Hey, I'm, I'm ready to mate, you know, I'm a hen that's kind of lonely. It gets his attention. Um, when I see him with a hen, and I was like, I want that, Tom. What I will do is I will start making more aggressive calls towards the hen. Uh, basically, I'm trying to call the hen in at this point, And I'm saying, this is my territory and we're getting very aggressive with like yelps and cuts.
0: Okay. So
1: she wants to come in now and say, hey, no, 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 not at all, this is my territory. And he's just going to follow her in because he's locked in on her. And that gives me my opportunity. Okay.
0: All right. That's a good point. All right. So it, it, it's almost like a distraction for the Tom. Right. Okay, cool. All right. So what about the, what are you, what are you doing on a day where there's nothing happening? You, you don't hear any gobbles uh, let's, let's say for example, you go out and you roost a bird the night before. So maybe, you know, they're in there, but they're not responding at all. You know, they're in there somewhere,
1: but they're not responding. How do you approach one of those? Well, this is where I'm not going to look wonderful as a hunter. because What I do is I stick to my guns. I, I know what I'm doing. I'm educated. I'm going to make a call every 15 to 25 minutes. Don't want to be too aggressive. I've got my decoys up. Everything's perfect for about an hour. Yeah. Now I've spent so much time on my phone, I've never even looked up. <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking around every now and then. And where most people are like, well, let's just wait it out. They're out here. I know they are. I'm the guy that says, Let's run a gun. Let's find a new bird. Let's move over here. Yeah. Let's try this. Let's go home. Let's come back this afternoon. So I do get impatient, especially when it comes to turkey hunting, because I'm I'm used to it going well even if it's going bad you know that's the difference between turkey hunting and deer hunting in my opinion is that even when it's going bad it's well because you're hearing them in the distance you're seeing them in the distance where deer hunting you know you never know like they could be all around you and you never see them they're so elusive yeah so I I I tend to move a lot and I I kind of I think I mess myself up more than I help myself. If I'm not seeing a bird. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I was talking to a guy
0: earlier today and I, I asked him a similar question. I said, man, what are you doing? When, what do you do when the turkeys aren't responding? He goes, Oh, that's easy. I go fishing.
1: <laughs> and you know, me and my buddy, when we turkey hunt together, if, if we say the morning that is bad, we hunt right by the river. So yeah. we always have our fishing gear with us and Turkey season's walleye season, so yeah. and smallmouth season. So we, we hit that, yeah. I, I tell you, um, I've had some days
0: in uh, in the turkey woods that are just like, man, are there any turkey here at all? Period. And it, it's <laughs> you know, it's a day that you know, maybe the day before they were going bananas, and then it's the same right. exact day, and then they're dead, they're just quiet. And uh, I don't know, that that blows my mind how. I don't know, antsy they are. like Right. And
1: like, I, maybe that goes back to the small brain thing. I don't yeah. know. I think the only thing that their brain has going on is if I hear something, I got to run away from it. I have to mate. I have to eat. Yeah. So I don't know if they know to do the same thing every day or the same location every day. Yeah.
0: It's more of a, a binary thought process where if it's, yeah. if it's danger, I run from it. If it's a hen during this time frame, I want to breed it. And then the rest of the time I'm just... You know, fly down, eat, fly back up, and just do that for yeah. my whole life. <laughs> Three decisions, exactly. really. So, um, let's talk about it. Uh, your your decoy strategy. um
1: Are you? Do you use decoys every single time you go out? I have tried hunting without decoys, just calling them into into the sound of a of like a diaphragm or a slate call, yeah. and. I don't have much luck with it. I've I've brought them in a couple of times, you know, a hen here or a Jake there, but nothing great. My best luck that I've ever had is always a two to three decoy setup. Okay. What's the ratio there? So um, basically if I've got more aggressive toms that want to own the area – um, and you can tell that just by going out and experiencing the hunt, you know, if you see Tom's come rushing in, or if you see Tom's fighting out in the field or satellite Jake's rotating, you know, and they're, they, that's just a couple of Jake's that stay with each other and they circle their area constantly. If you see something like that, that could be aggressive. I love putting out just a simple feeding or breeding hen on the ground and then coming up and approaching behind her, a smaller Jake. Yeah. Um, that just they, they look at him like, hey, I can beat you up and that usually draws in the aggressive ones. Yeah. are are they postured in a certain
0: way other than the Jake behind? Is the hen laying down like it's getting ready to breed? Is the the other turkey like in, in kind of a, any form of
1: strut, or is it just all docile? So I've got a few different decoys. Um, if you know you've got a very mature tom in the area, I do have a, a Tom decoy that's got a full strut and that takes a mature, strong Tom to to come in yeah. because it, it does scare off a lot of the other birds. But if you bring in a bird with that, you're bringing in a good bird. Yeah. So that's one option. Um, the Jake that I have, uh, I, I love using is just a docile. It's almost like he is, uh, just kind of looking in going, Hey, what's this? His head's up, tail's down. And then I have three different hens. One's a breeding hen. She lays flat on the ground. One's a feeding hen. She's got her face down to the ground. Like she's pecking for bugs or seeds. And one's a lookout hen. She's got her head up and I love leaving her kind of loose on her uh, little post. So that way if any wind comes in, she kind of swings back and forth and look, it looks like she's looking around. So, in my most, common setup is usually the feeding hen like she just, she's down because she's low enough that it could resemble a breeding hen and then that docile jake about four yards behind her and that's all about 15 to me yeah, about 15 yards in front of me gotcha
0: yeah my my decoy strategy is roughly the same um i i i don't give turkeys too much credit uh, you know, in that brain category, I have to tell you a quick story. All right? I don't, I forget what year it was, maybe 2008 or nine or 10 or something like that. But my buddy decided he wanted to go turkey hunting. He had never been turkey hunting before. He was only a deer hunter. And so we go out and he's like, dude, do I need to decoy? him? like, yeah, it probably helps to bring him in. He's like, I don't have one. So he's driving to the store or no, he was, he was mowing. I think that year it was, it was a little warmer and he was mowing his ditch and he found an old hen turkey decoy had an ant's nest in it. It was, it it was like it had already been hit by a mower before and he put some tape on it. And that is what we used to call in this Tom. Now he shoots it with his bow and it was, and you know, we didn't know what we had shot at that point. It's, it's all on video, but he shoots it with a bow and he goes and gets it and we're cleaning it and he takes a picture of there's like, I don't know, seven beards on this thing. And wow, yeah, it, it well, long story short, we take it to Missouri to an official scorer who weighs it, measures it up, and it's the world record atypical turkey with a bow, atypical meaning multiple beards right so there's all the these beard calculations and then the spur calculation and the weight uh, calculation and this dude first turkey he ever shot with a bow is a world record turkey C- crazy <laughs> absolutely crazy with and the whole the reason i'm telling this story is because the decoy that we had sitting out we put a, a arrow in the ground, slid the decoy on top of the arrow, and it was just this beat-up, you know, n- didn't look real at all. It was basically a silhouette, which tells me that you probably don't need the most realistic turkey decoy to bring them in. Right, right. That's for sure. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Now, does that, with him, does that make him never need to hunt again because it's impossible to beat that or does he is he hooked and wants to continue turkey hunting forever now yeah i don't know i i uh (laughs) when it
0: happened he's you know again he was at the time he was a really big he's since passed but uh he had a, a really um big passionate deer hunter and turkey was always kind of a you know hey let's just go out and kill some turkeys type of deal and uh uh but what it did was it got him excited to go hunt, continue to hunt turkeys every year. Right. right. I, I, he still I, went out. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. So he, and you know, he got this, this thing fully mounted, right. I don't know about you, but when I shoot a, a turkey, I have stacks, I have stacks of fans on uh, my deep freeze out in the, in the garage. And I, it's like, I don't need any more fans, right. It's not like a deer head yeah. where if I shoot, <laughs> so if I shoot a big, deer i'm gonna mount it and it's going on my wall i'll find wall space for absolutely. that absolutely but there's only so many places to put a turkey de- or a turkey fan right it's to the point where now they're yeah. hanging in my garage right
1: that's so- what I, I
0: told my daughter that last year i do not need another fan <laughs> <laughs> absolutely so are are there times where you are taking the decoys down because you think it's going to help
1: um if it's uh a- if you know it's a very populated area, if you know that they feed in the same spot every day, like let's say it's your farm and you see them every morning and you have for months or years or whatever it may be, there's no necessary reason to put up a decoy. You just need to tuck yourself in and let their patterns do the work for you. Yeah. Um, in all reality, you may actually spook them. Hey, new bird, why is that here? So, I mean, it, it definitely, if you know that it's going to be there, you watched it come down from the rooster every day, it feeds in the same spot, the the group or the hen or the tom, whatever it may be, you can just sit and wait and just let that play out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I, I tell you, I'll share my strategy here. Definitely. If I'm hunting a wide open field, right. Where I'm tucked into a field edge, uh, I'm using decoys, you know, cause I, I want them to come see now. If I'm ever on a run and gun in the timber, I typically don't use decoys. If I do, I'll actually set the decoys back further than me and I'll hunt in front of them. So when I call their their attention, it goes beyond me, past me, if that makes sense. Right, and right, right. I've had that. I've, I feel like that has worked a couple times to where it, it sounds closer than what it's sounding closer than what they see. So it's almost tricking them into wanting to get a little closer to investigate. So then, you know, obviously they're they're getting closer. But you know, if I'm in a wide open field, I'm doing a similar, you know, Jake Hen decoy setup. Um and in the timber, I may set up, set them up. If it's thick, I'm, I probably don't use a decoy at all. I'll just try to get them, you know, come in close enough and, and do the, the old neck extension where they kind of look up over the leaves or, you know, right. the, the low brush just enough to put some lead in their face. And, uh, you know, that, that's my, my decoy strategy. Now, has this ever worked for you? for you this strategy here because i've tried it several times and it may you know in my 15 years 20 years of turkey hunting it's probably only worked just a handful of times and that is the call they get hung up you back up maybe 50 100 yards call again and get them interested in there and then maybe even sneak forward a little bit more to get them to come in closer
1: that has actually worked for me one time on accident, and I I didn't mean to do it, um, didn't realize I was doing it. Um, what My buddy and I were sitting in the ground blind together, and we watched the turkeys. Uh, we're up on top of the hill. <clears throat> we watched the turkeys come in on the fence line, and we were on the right side of the fence knowing that they were going to follow that side. And we watched them down at the bottom of the hill, and they just stayed down there feeding, 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 would not come into our calls just almost like they're hung up, but we could see them. So while we were glassing them, making calls and stuff, they wouldn't even look like they didn't care at all. I don't even know if you want to call that hung up as much as not interested. Right. And they made it probably 20 yards over into the woods, couldn't see them. We decided, well, they're at the bottom of the hill. Let's go to the bottom of the hill. We didn't move our blind 50 yards and made the calls, and they – loved it um the only difference in the calls was when we were up top i was using my slate call or my diaphragm call got to the bottom of the hill and changed it up to a slate call i said oh she you know this one sounds a little older raspier i don't know if it was the movement i don't know (laughs) if it was the call but they absolutely loved it and came running right in So nothing that was a shooter on that that point in time but it, it just kind of surprised me and we've talked about that quite a few different times you know what was it the move was it the calls was And I don't know, we're still kind of confused to this day, but I think movement could help. And I would say if you think it does, I recommend bringing two different styles of calls and maybe they'll think you're a different turkey. Yeah, so that's my problem, man. I'll I'll be honest with you. I am an
0: over caller. I call and I call. Nothing responds, move, call and call and call. I don't even wait 15 minutes. I just I'm I'm ripping it. I let (laughs) everything know that I am there right i am and it's probably in to be honest it's probably hurt me more than it's ever helped me but right. um but i am horrible and i know it just takes practice but i it, i'm almost like at this point i don't want to practice mouth calls i'm a slate guy or a box call guy i mean i've i've done it i've i've made it work the last 20 years but I I just don't ever dedicate the time to using a diaphragm call. Do you think that there is an advantage or I guess what I'm asking is tell me if
1: I'm wrong or not for, for thinking that way. In my opinion, when it comes to calls, the number one, most important thing is do the call you're good at because a sour call won't get you anything. Yeah. So if you can do a diaphragm, do that. If you do a slate, do that. If you do a box, do that. That's the reason I don't – you didn't hear me talk about box calls is because when I do that, it sounds like styrofoam rubbing together. I I just cannot (laughs) figure out a box call. (laughs) But um, I love to have both a slate and a diaphragm with me just because – I'm the overthinker, and I think, well, I know what the turkey's thinking. and if, if the turkey were to do this, then he's going to think that I'm this. I don't know. I think too much into it, but I would say a diaphragm call, in my opinion, is probably the best call, and the only reason I say that is because it does the same calls as the other ones, but especially if you are sitting in the woods, no ground blind. You can keep that in your mouth behind your face mask, you know, just put it in when you need it and slide it in place with your tongue. If you got one coming in, it's just kind of looking around. You can hit him with a little couple, you know, quick little cuts Yeah, and you don't have to move at all. That's what I love the most about the diaphragm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Um, but then again, um, there's a good chance I don't go out and buy one this year i i've <laughs> i've went out and i've tried to even on elk call it's kind of a similar call right um right yep. i go out and practice with my diaphragm and i absolutely suck at it and to the point where you know it's sup. you know it's after supper i clean the kitchen up and whip out the elk call and just you know try to get the try to get those cow noises coming in and my wife is like that has got to stop you cannot do that anymore now <laughs> so I just go with my little uh my little blow blower thingy and there you go so all right so we've we've talked about weather a little bit as far as scouting is concerned have you noticed that there is a specific day or weather style that gets the birds more fire, fired up, gets the birds more aggressive
1: than, uh, you know, another day? Believe it or not, I have had my best luck on rainy days. Oh. Um, and it's, it's hard to hunt on a rainy day, because, especially if you're in a ground blind, because if they're further off and you're trying to listen, I don't know if you've ever heard rain inside a ground blind. Oh yeah. but it is horrific. It's just sprinkling outside, and it sounds like a thunderstorm. It's just beaten down. Yeah, but I've had them come up to the blind. I've had them call them in and stuff during torrential downpours, and they just, sometimes I just don't care. But on the lighter end, before or after, I would say a nice storm that passes through—that's the best luck I've ever had. Yeah, just like fishing, you know, just before it rains, I love getting out. Turkey hunting just before storms rolling in.
0: Yeah, so there's a, uh, you know, every time you lead a sentence with, you know, I heard from an old timer once, right? You, you can right. probably, you can probably just disregard everything that comes out of my mouth <laughs> a, after that point. But uh, when someone, you know, someone told me one time, well, you want to find turkeys, just go out and scout for them in the rain. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Well, anyway uh it's like 2 years ago uh, it was raining the day before season opener and i was i had to go put this grime, ground blind out because my wife was coming with me and i didn't want to do it in the dark the next day and sure enough i'm driving around and the fields you know all the way from my house to the farm are loaded with shutters while it's you know yeah. raining out so, yep. so what I under, what I've heard is that they don't like all the sound that the timber makes when it's raining. So they like to go out into the wide open spaces where it's less, it's not as noisy. I've
1: heard that as well as, um, worms are on their diet, and as well as uh, oh, like, okay. do they even eat small lizards and whatnot? And they say that the, the moisture brings out anything that lives in the ground because it's flooded. So, yeah. And, and it floods out the, the underground grubs and worms and even small lizards will come to the surface like newts and stuff yeah and they, they eat it all I, uh baby snakes i had no idea
0: yeah. about
1: that but i was doing some research for an article on um you know their their food patterns and they said you know the rain brings things like things like that to the surface as well so it's i, I definitely could see a combination of it and like i said you know i've had great great luck on rainy days
0: yeah that makes sense that now when when you say on rainy days in the timber or out of
1: the timber out of the timber Um, only um yeah i would say 80 percent of the time i hunt out of the timber field edges grass lines you know uh, where they meet a field um the edge of the timber a lot of times you'll have a strip or a small pasture of grass next to a corner bean field um that's where I have the best luck yeah. in the timber. I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen a turkey in the timber during rain. Yeah. Yeah. Something to think about, right? It's, uh, yeah, it's, one, right?
0: it's one of those things where you don't really know the answer to it and you have to, th- you have to, you know, think back to all your experiences. And you're like, you know what? As a matter of fact, I don't know if I've ever seen a turkey or a deer or whatever do that. So exactly. um all right. So from in that rainy conditions, were they responding at all or were they quiet coming in?
1: On your clearer days, um they are more active in in hitting calls back and forth. Um rainier days I've noticed they are much quieter, but they do respond well to your calls. And that's where that patience comes in of I have my phone out or my watch on, and if they're not responding, especially like on rainy days, I wait 15 to 25 minutes because they could be right around the corner. Yeah, They don't answer you much in the rain for some reason. I don't know what would cause that, but they, they come into the calls, you know which doesn't make sense if they're not calling and you're calling, they would think you're fake, but yeah. And that's where it gets me into it, where I think too far into it. And then I'm trying to find theories and I just <laughs> not think like you're some kind of
0: biologist, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I know either that or I'm is. a turkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, don't admit to that. You know, here we are talking about how small their brains are. Don't admit to that. Right.
1: Yeah,
0: don't tell my wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm sorry to say, but they already know, right? They already right? know. Exactly. All right. So, yeah. are, are there any other uh, strategies, tactics, tips, um, whether it is you know how to get a turkey close within shooting range, or gear, or anything that you like to uh, like to share with us?
1: The only other things that I really do uh, that are just kind of personal preferences. I don't know if anybody's ever thought about it, hunting from a tree stand. I've done it just to see if I could do it. That is hard. Turkeys look up a lot. So keep that in mind. Um, It's a good thrill. It's kind of hard to do, but yeah, definitely uh, not the easiest route to do it. So don't try that if you don't have to. Um, The only other thing is I look at my camo patterns um, since turkeys can see so well. um, I don't care much for brand names like it has to be this i love this one i use a lot of mossy oak in the fall it's got a darker tone to it and i use a lot of real tree during the spring because it's so bright and vivid it matches my surroundings well and since turkeys can see so well keep that in mind you know watch your color schemes i don't know how they see color wise but pattern i know makes a huge difference to them and make sure things are not loose um i did buy one of these like little bug screen face nets one time, one time instead of using uh, my normal Under Armour one. And it was windier and it was blowing around back and forth, back and forth. And I didn't get busted, but I had a, a hand in front of me just staring at me every time that would, the strings would blow on it. I'm like, I don't know. I think she can see that. Yeah. So
0: man, I don't man, just make sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be, be weary of vision. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, man. I'm a, when it comes to Turkey hunting, I am a solid color guy, where I'm I wear a pair of uh, solid brown, almost like a dicky, like a a denim, yeah. a thick dicky pants, and uh, this big heavy brown hooded sweatshirt for the most part. Right, and that's my and and sometimes I will wear camo, right? Sometimes I I don't, but man, it just basically it's what's in, what's at the top of the pile in my in my in my camo thing, but. Man, when I am, I have seen some really good success with just solid colors get
1: and, and have them right. getting close too. So, I think that I think it all depends on if how how you move. Yeah, like, if you can sit still, then it's not going to be a big deal. But I am a person. That's why I'm such a ground blind hunter. Mm-hmm. I cannot sit still. I move yeah. constantly. I, you know, if I have to sit still for some reason, I can't. Yeah, if I don't have to, like right now during this call. I don't need to move one bit. I've stayed in the same exact spot and have no problem doing it. But when I know I can't move, oh, I got an itch (laughs) on my nose. Oh, I got a cramp in my leg. And I'm falling apart all of a sudden. Yeah. So that's why I stick to a camo pattern, just because I know if I do move, it will help conceal me a little bit more. Yeah, that's a fact. That is a fact. Well, man,
0: we've covered a lot today. Um, right good luck man good luck this upcoming season you'll have to let me know how you do Um, thanks for taking time out of your day to hop on and chat with us absolutely and good luck to you too and that brings us to the end of another iowa sportsman podcast man i cannot thank you enough for tuning in every week or whenever i put these out man really appreciate this if you're not already subscribed go to itunes and subscribe to this podcast, you can subscribe at iTunes. You can subscribe wherever you download your podcast, and uh you know, subscribe that way it comes right to you. Lots of great content that can be translated not only to Iowa but to a variety of different Midwestern states. And right now is the time to be consuming this content uh, and/or getting outside because there's not much else you can do right about now. So we uh, we're going to keep putting out the content during the quarantine time and hopefully you guys are getting a a little bit closer to the outdoors through this uh, through this podcast. Thank you very much for your time and be sure to check out the iowasportsman.com website and check out all of the blogs. All of the content that we're putting out there, lots of great content. And uh, don't forget about the Iowa Sportsman Magazine as well, because there's also good content on there. So you got the podcast, you got the blog, and you got the magazine. And they've recently updated the Iowa Atlas. So be sure to check that out as well. And you can find all that information on iowasportsman.com. Until next week, get outside and enjoy Mother Nature, my friends. (laughs) you <laughs>